What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. As the countdown timer ticks on, Ethan Hunt is on yet another impossible mission. He's broken into a top-secret research lab in Eastern Europe as he descends by rope and pulley to the testing room on the bottom floor. It is there that he sees jar after jar of contained bioengineered monstrosities. Among them, a solitary, regular-looking guy stands hovering over a bank of computers. The figure looks over and sees Ethan coming towards him. Mistaking him for a special forces assassin, Ethan winters, stops trying to find the new virus blueprint, and turns to face his would-be foe. It's Mission Impossible versus Resident Evil. It's Secret Agent versus Nightmare Survivor. It's Ethan Hunt versus Ethan Winters. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Canis. It's our first match of Shocktober, where we take popular characters from the genre of horror, TV series, films, and video games, and put them into incredible battles. And today's matchup is one of the most intriguing matchups we've ever had. In one corner, you have Ethan Hunt, the not-so-secret agent from the Mission Impossible franchise, versus Ethan Winters, one of the heroes of Resident Evil, who searches for his family amid bioweapons and conspiracies. As usual, I did the padded Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed, and... This matchup actually has been discussed a few times before today. Not many, just a few, but never did it come to a logical conclusion with a decisive winner until today, that is. Ray, what are your thoughts on today's matchup? I always enjoy a matchup in Shocktober. We should probably mention that, too. It's going to be horror-themed characters showing up in all of our battles this month. Uh, This time, we are going to use Ethan Hunt. Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible, you remember from like a couple months ago or a month ago, we wanted to use him. And we said, not with the strikes, not with the Mission Impossible movie being in theaters. We want to have a little bit of solidarity. Well, the WGA has uh, settled. Uh, They signed their contract, which is excellent. And the Mission Impossible movie is no longer in theaters. So it seems a little safer, non-scabby, if you were, to use Ethan Hunt in a battle, which we've been wanting to do in a long time. And Ethan Winters, 
the main protagonist in Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 8. Uh, the two games are related to each other as we follow his story. A very interesting character, somebody who does some very outlandish things. Quite honestly, these are two characters who both do outlandish things. They're both named Ethan, and hey, Resident Evil, scary game. Fits uh, Shocktober, I'm here for it. I think it's a really, really great matchup. You know, we've been doing a lot of good work lately on the Who Would Win show. I'm talking even Reese Sakinas, but our whole Who Would Win production team, myself. And, you know, today's matchup could be more significant than people realize. See, I've just won three matches in a row. I have never won four matches in a row against Ray Stacanus ever in the history of the Who Would Win show. With Ray being involved, Ray's actually done this, I think, once, possibly even twice. So I need to get this fourth win just to get it. And by the way, if I get a fourth win, I get to choose a character to rep sometime well after Shocktober, but I already have a character in mind that I will reveal later. Now, with that being said, Ray Sicanus, we have a new batch of five-star reviews for the podcast. I wanted to go over them with you and kind of get your thoughts because I think we're moving in a great direction. So check this out. Our first review is from Levi Northcross, and it's titled, Please Read My Review Live, I Fixed My Review. This may sound familiar, Ray. I love this podcast. It's my number me fave podcast, word for word. Also, 99% Ray is the rightful winner. I got your message, and I fixed my review for you, Ray. Hashtag Ray is right. Ray, what's your, what are your thoughts on that review? Look, if you're out here changing your reviews from not five stars to five stars purely to seek my approval, I'm going to be the first one to get in line and say it worked. You have my approval. It probably won't be for very long, but you have it in this moment. You finally deserve to get your review read on air. We do have a brand new one I'd like to read here uh, from I Eat Potatoes 66. Please read this review. Maybe I should have vetted it first. I'm just going to read it. Hey guys, I love the show because it always makes me feel better. Though I don't understand how James is constantly the nicer, more polite human. Yet I also end up routing for Ray. I think he means rooting, but perhaps routing. He's actually like running away from enemies. I don't know. Why do you think this is? Keep creating great content. He used the C word, James. Uh, listen, we all have our opinions. Ray is Ray. James is James. It's, you know, that's the magic that makes the show work. All right, let's read one more review. Uh, this is from Clark Dad Mom. I'm assuming that's a whole family titled This Podcast is Great. I love this podcast. I've listened to every episode and bought every merch item you have. And can you please talk about this review in the next show? I used to not know about Marvel and I did not even know who Superman is. But now, but no, I love Marvel and P.S. Go James. I mean, that might be the greatest review we've ever had. That's uh, um, pretty didn't know you can learn right about there. Superman through Marvel. But, you know, hey. Why not? I, Superman's actually a thing in Marvel. This this whole family's a genius. Thank you for your five-star reviews. Keep them coming. And as Ray says, as long as they're a five-star review, we'll read them on the show. Now, speaking James, of five-star. James, all I have to say stars, about that last review is it's, you know, it's a good thing to support your own shows. Thank you for writing that review for the show. <laughs> right now, speaking of fantastic five-star reviews, I didn't write that one. Uh, it's time to hopefully get a five-star review from our next judge. Making another appearance on the Who Would Win show. It's the host of the Brentfist podcast with Brent Pope. It's the executive VP of Who Would Win. It's the person who can fire both Ray Stacanus and myself at a moment's notice with no reason whatsoever. It's the one and only Brent Pope. Brent, welcome back to Who Would Win. <laughs> Thank you. That makes me so happy just hearing, just reminding myself that I can fire either one of you at my leisure. 
Ah, yes. Uh, thanks for having me. Although, you know, as you know, you have no choice when I come on because I, I tell you when I'm coming on. But and, yeah, and thanks for me, having can me. Can I just say right now, when I called out uh, Brent Pope on a previous show, I don't even think the episode finished recording yet before the phone was ringing and Brent yeah. Pope was demanding to be a judge on the show again. My yeah. phone lit up with text and like, oh, now you've done it. And I'm like, uh oh, what, what did we do? And And what a lovely surprise it is to have you, sir, back on the show. Oh, wait, Ray just lost another point. Dang it, Ray. Oh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Uh, sir, Executive VP of Who Would Win, tell the Legion of Audience, our faithful fan base, what you've been up to. Uh, I've been uh, on the picket lines, James. On the picket lines, trying to get SAG after a fair deal. WGA got theirs. Now it's time for SAG after. So hopefully that'll be done quickly so we can uh, start promoting and uh, making things like we like to do, you know, creating. It's a good thing. I think solidarity is important and uh, supporting the writers and actors, uh, you know, they, they work hard for what they get. And even with uh, selling the strike, just a personal opinion, still don't think they're getting paid as fairly as they should. But that's another story for another time. Now, uh, Executive VP Brent Pope, you know, today marks hopefully my fourth win in a row on the Who Would Win show. Something that's never happened before. No pressure on your part. Where What's your thinking on this battle? Well, I'll say this. I'm <laughs> I'm very aware of Ethan Winters, and this is a tough customer, James. So I'm hoping that for your sake that you brought, you know, your A game, that you bring your A game. But I do know Ethan Hunt, I mean, is in movies where he does impossible things every time. Right. So let's go. I mean, I think it should be a great battle. And I, like I said, maybe in the back of my head, there's a little bit of like I'm annoyed, my annoyedness at Ray from last week. But, you know, I'll try to not let it uh, cloud my judgment too it's, much. Ray. When would you have clouded judgment on this show? Oh, great. Supreme executive VP. Oh, hey, you just got a point back. Thank I don't you. know why. I just, uh, yeah. Plus one for Ray. OK, I tell you what, that I did even. my research. I have so many deleted scenes. From the entire Mission God, Impossible film franchise. Off, I will turn I will close the laptop and walk away right now. <laughs> Look, if you're saying that I'm going to possibly give another win to someone based partly on another deleted scene, I would say it's not impossible. Not filling me with hope, Brent Pope. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, there's a lot riding on this show, so let's get this thing started. Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Mission Impossible, the agent who ends every mission by going on a cruise, Ethan Hunt. And representing Resident Evil, the hero who is so one of a kind, it could be said they broke the mold with him. Ethan Winters. Well done. Okay, actually, I did like that last one. Well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. I'm a little familiar with Ethan Winter's race to Canis, but is there another version of their multiple, or is there only one specific version to this character? Ethan Winters has appeared in very more recent Resident Evil games. That would be Resident Evil 7 colon Biohazard and Resident Evil 8 colon Village. Got it. Okay, well, I'll be sticking with the Ethan Hunt 
the amazing Ethan Hunt from the Mission Impossible film franchise, just because there's a lot to pull from, I guess, over seven or so films. All right, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of debate is whoever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes, and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six. The judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Visit www.whowouldwinstore.com to get your hands on some great merch and some Who Would Win t-shirts, all the great stuff that you'd ever want from the Who Would Win store. Wear it, use it, display it proudly. Show everyone that you're part of the Legion of Audience because that's a great thing. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Need to supercharge your hiring? You need a super hiring partner. You need Indeed. I've been a fan of Indeed.com for a long time and been singing their praises for even longer. You know, one of the things I love about Indeed is that not only can you find a great job on Indeed.com, start there, great place to look, but if you're hiring, you can invite candidates, right? Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply for your job than candidates who just kind of see it in a random search. That's according to US Indeed data. It's like you invite somebody and they feel welcome to your party, right? They're more likely to want to work for you or at least check out what this job's all about. And we'll get you one step closer to that hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates with Indeed. Indeed's going to do the hard work for you. It shows you the candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your description immediately after you post. You're going to find the people. They're going to put them right in front of you so you can hire even faster. And these are quality candidates. These are people who already meet your minimum expectations right off the top at the beginning. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash WWW. 
Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash WWW. Indeed.com slash WWW. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Ethan Winters. Ethan Winters is an engineer who fought against all manner of enhanced humans and creatures while searching for his missing wife, weirdly enough named Mia. He was created by Capcom, he was played by Todd Soley, and first appeared in the video game Resident Evil 7 back in 2017. Three years after his wife Mia went missing, Ethan got a weird message from her that led him to a plantation in Louisiana. Upon arriving, Ethan was abducted by the mysterious Baker family, who had superhuman strength and weird regenerative powers. Fighting his way through the family, their bioengineered molded monsters, and eventually the genetically engineered leader of the whole thing, uh, Eveline. Eveline? I forget. Ethan eventually escaped with Mia. In the follow up, Resident Evil 8, Village, Ethan and Mia are in a government protection in Eastern Europe when he's thrown into a conspiracy involving lichen werewolves, evil mold, and yes, even more superhuman enemies. Fun fact, video game names can undergo changes when brought overseas. As copyrights or cultural differences can make a studio call the game one thing in Japan and another thing in the West, and this is the case with Resident Evil. The game originally came out in Japan as Biohazard, fitting in with the genetically engineered monsters and viruses that permeate the series. That said, in America, there was already an MS-DOS game called Biohazard in existence as well as that one heavy metal band who did that song with Onyx. Yeah, you know, that crew. They existed too. So Capcom did an internal naming contest, and wouldn't you know it, Resident Evil won. In my opinion, way cooler name than Biohazard. Just saying. It is interesting, though, that when they went to go name Resident Evil 7, they called it Resident Evil 7 colon Biohazard. Why not? Anyway, that somehow is Ethan Winters. Interesting stuff. All right, here are the details for Ethan Hunt. Now, Ethan Hunt is the iconic protagonist of the Mission Impossible film series, a role made famous by actor Tom Cruise. What's important to note is that the character of Ethan Hunt, while prominent in the film series, was not a primary figure in the original Mission Impossible television series, which aired from 1966 to 1973, from which the movies drew inspiration. Introduced to audiences in 1996 with the release of the first Mission Impossible film, Hunt is a dedicated and highly skilled field agent for the Impossible Mission Force otherwise known as the IMF, not to be confused with James Gavsey's Intoxicating Mindfog, a covert U.S. government agency that undertakes top-secret espionage missions. Throughout the series, Hunt is known for his unmatched physical abilities, cunning strategies, and unwavering loyalty to his team, often going to great lengths and defying impossible odds to complete his missions and protect those he cares about. While his methods can be unorthodox, he, he often finds himself at odds with his superiors. Hunt's determination and resourcefulness make him a formal asset to the IMF. And here's an interesting fact about Mission Impossible. Did you know that the third Mission Impossible movie caused a bomb scare? It's true. To promote Mission Impossible 3, Paramount attached digital audio players to 4,500 Los Angeles Times vending boxes to play the franchise's theme song when they were open, because how could that be a bad idea? Well, it was. 
Some of these players came loose and fell onto the stack of newspapers, and someone mistook one of these players for an actual bomb. Thus, a police bomb squad was called in to blow up the newspaper box, and a local veteran's hospital was evacuated when one of the players was found in the building. The lesson here is that sometimes you can just market a movie a little too hard. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Brent, do you have any questions before we get started? I don't have a question, but I do have a, a quick story that this is wild because that this is happening and I am the judge because, you know, we may have heard a few times in the lore of who would win. There was a live show where James and I, Ray was not there and I went up against James and I got a split decision against James. I'll say that to be nice. The, the, the judge that gave me the win was none other than the voice actor who played Marguerite Baker in, in, in Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, Sarah Coates, the big baddie of uh, one of the big baddies of uh, Biohazard 7. Gave me a win, and now we're repping her uh, universe, you know? Interesting. It's crazy. And she was in another zombie universe, wasn't she? Wasn't there that sci-fi series yeah. she was the main yeah. character on? Yeah, she was on Z yep. Nation. She was fantastic, too. Great character on there. And here she is. All right, very cool. All right, She Ray, played listen. Pie Girl. Pie Girl, very popular character. That's correct. She was. All right, Ray, listen. This is for all the marbles. I need these four wins in a row just for bragging rights. I want it. I need it. I can't stand it. Let's go ahead and get this battle started. Hit us with your point number one. James, I've seen all the discourse online leading up to this battle, and no matter how much you want or need this battle, there's no chance you're actually going to earn it today. My point number one with Ethan Winters, let's talk about some of his basic physicals, because even, uh, look, I love Ethan Hunt. Ethan Hunt's a wonderful fighter. He uses a lot of great weapons. He has great missions, you know, very exciting movies. Some of my favorite movies uh, in the action genre are Mission Impossible movies. That said, in a drag-out knockdown fight, Ethan Winters has too many things and has too many feats that I can demonstrate that show him clearly overpowering a character like Ethan Hunt if it gets close. One, he's in a video game, which means he's he is definitely applying different types of physics than a character like Ethan Hunt would. Now, he's a master of blocking. One of the big moves you do in Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 8 is that you can throw up your arms and block attacks as they come in, which can greatly reduce damage. Also, if he throws up a well-timed block, it could potentially stagger one of his enemies that he can counterattack very, very well. He's The people that he's uh, blocked in these games are super-powered characters. He's blocked uh, his wife, Mia, who was under the influence of the, uh, the bio-engineered stuff, so she was super strong. Uh, Jack Baker, same deal, the leader of the Baker family, but also the Lycans, some of these werewolf creatures that appear in Resident Evil 8. If a werewolf is staring you down and you just throw up your arms to block it, it's like giant claws coming in and then can sucker punch him right afterwards, that puts you in a category well above what Ethan Hunt could possibly show us. Not to mention all of these biohazard uh, mold monsters as well. These things are gross. They are difficult. They are, they are, they are formidable. And if you can just go ahead, block their attacks and then rock them with a knife or shoot them with a gun or punch them with your fist and it does something, that's showing something because Ethan Winters was able to stay even with uh, Mia, his wife. In the very opening of Resident Evil 7, spoiler alert for a six-year-old game, you should all play it. It's Halloween. Let's do this thing. Uh, he goes into the house to find Mia. He finds her and it turns out that she's sort of possessed. She's working against him and she's like super powerful. She's so strong that she grabs him and can throw him up a staircase. Throw him up a stair. I've heard of people getting thrown down staircases before, but never up one. And Ethan Winters, at his weakest form, very beginning of Resident Evil 7, is able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with her for a while, despite the fact that she's massively strong. 
as we've seen him be able to do, he can grab and drag gigantic shelves that are loaded with things, drag them along the floor in order to reveal passages and whatnot behind them. He's also able to take uh, environmental things, such as crates, and he can smash them into dust using just his fists or a knife. Uh, if you walk up to a crate at, you know, at, at Ikea with a pocket knife and you take a swing at it, you can't destroy it and turn it into dust. But Ethan Winters can, because his physicals are just too strong. He can kick apart fences, wooden planks, just disintegrate when he hits them. In fact, he's got a lot of skill as well. He's used his knife, his like Bowie knife, uh, to knock arrows out of the air. People shooting bow and arrows at him. You actually get an achievement for doing this in-game, so it's legit. And he can cut them out of the air. I don't know that I've seen Ethan Hunt do something that cool before. But also, he can use that same knife to cut and injure the bioengineered monsters that have super regeneration. He can kill those monsters. Ethan Hunt fights humans. They're fighting on two different scales here. That's a big problem. And not only can he cut and injure these gigantic bioengineered monsters, he can grab them, push them, throw them as well. These are characters and werewolves and whatnot that regular humans would probably get destroyed by in about 1.2 seconds. But Ethan Winters can go toe-to-toe with them and has the talents in order to pull off a victory. That's my point number one. All right, listen, not to put down Ethan Winters, but there's some things I really just got to clarify. So first of all, I get it. Uh, the master of blocking. I mean, I, I think that's actually adorable that you say it like that. Uh, so he's blocking punches. You know, that's one thing. Blocking someone who's a well-skilled fighter, never mind someone, I don't know, like Ethan Hunt, who's going to drive a car into you. I don't think I'd want to block that. That's actually a bad, bad call. I don't really think there's much to it. And plus, when he blocks a little too much, doesn't he take damage? I think he does. Uh, also, Mia and those monsters he's fighting. Yeah, it's impressive. But they're again, they're not skilled fighters. You know, oh, no, a monster's coming at me with some enhanced strength. That's crazy. Uh, uh, here's an assassin who's trained to kill me with guns and everything. That's a lot worse. I'd actually be more afraid of that. Smashing crates, pulling bookshelves off, and dragging them along the floor. You're describing what my kids did last weekend. That's not a big deal. And uh, again, that's uh, that's pretty much Ethan Winters isn't really fighting anything with great uh, you know skill or you know a lot of fighting experience. That's kind of where he's at right now. Now, in terms of my point number one, let me kind of counter all that with Ethan Hunt's physicals. Now, first of all, he's a peak human. He's in peak human condition. You know, as an IMF agent and a former Army Ranger, by the way, he's in top physical condition. Let's suppose this way. His strength, his speed, his agility, his reflexes, his endurance, his durability, they're all at peak levels. He's shown himself capable of performing crazy physical feats, such as holding his breath, I think, for four minutes at a time. He withstands intense physical pain and torture. He uses agility and some cool parkour. He did that once to parkour his way from one floor of a prison down to another one without using the stairs because, you know, why use the stairs? We've seen him jumping from great heights between buildings, getting in huge fights, recovering quickly, clinging to the side of a freaking airplane in flight, climbing up the side of a mountain with no equipment, surviving cold conditions, running at incredible speeds for long periods without tiring. His stamina is crazy as well. Look, he's also an incredible fighter martial artist. Ethan Hunt knows. Here's the list. Aikido, karate, boxing, judo, hapkido, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, taekwondo, capoeira, a style called KZ. It's really cool. It's a great fighting style that really uses a lot of elbows and headbutts. That's great. He also knows ninjutsu, wrestling, uh, escrima, which is a Filipino martial art that uses weapons and you can improvise. He knows Muay Thai and Krav Maga. He's such a master of martial arts. This is really cool. He's even developed his own unique style of running. 
That is true. It's different from any other person in the world. He has a personal style of running that lets him get out of places really, really quickly and outrun all types of uh, things coming after him. Now, in the most recent Mission Impossible film, we see an example of how great of a fighter he is. Ethan finds himself in a narrow alleyway on one of his rescue, you know, on his way to rescue one of his colleagues. Knowing the alleyway is actually a trap, he sees it, of course, but he's got no choice. He has to go in there and save his friend. So as he enters, he's surrounded by two highly skilled assassins, both armed. What does he do? He takes out one, disarms the other, and uses that weapon to take of the second person, and he does this super quickly. This guy is an awesome fighter and combatant. Of course, he's a master spy. I gotta say it. He's a master of disguises, stealth, espionage tactics. He's able to impersonate anyone he can think of, and he's so skilled at doing that, he remembers people's behavior just by watching very quickly, that he remembers it so well, he can fool even those that those people who are close to the people he's impersonating. He's also a master escape artist. He can free himself from various confinements. He's also skilled at escaping capture and breaking others out when necessary. Not a thing for this fight, but I just thought I'd mention it. He's got a super high level intellect. He's incredibly intelligent. He's super creative. He's got uh, this cool methodology about him that he operates under. Kind of, I guess he He's a genius. I'm just going to say it. He's a genius. He's skilled in espionage, infiltration, counterintelligence. He's also skilled at adjusting his plans to account for changes, as well as knowing how to improvise new plans when necessary. That's going to be a key thing for this fight. He also has an excellent memory. He can remember messages and details of missions easily. This means he's also a master manipulator. He can quickly figure out what psychological buttons to press on an opponent to get them where he wants them to be and position them where he wants them to be. I wonder if Ethan Winters has some psychological buttons to push. Oh, that's right. He does. Ethan Hunt, by the way, he's also a highly trained tactician. He's skilled at coming up with executing plans at a moment's notice. He's a master observing and then understanding his opponents using their flaws and plans against them, as I've mentioned. And one of his favorite tactics is to let those he is fighting think they have beaten him and then enact some type of, I don't know what you call it, countermeasure that he was using in his mind just to kind of help his own plan succeed. This is something he does all the time to turn the tables on whoever he's fighting. He's an expert driver. Look, we've seen that before. He can drive any type of car, motorcycle, and weaponize it. Not only can he escape from people, but he can use it to outmaneuver people and he'll absolutely use a motorcycle or a car to smash into a villain. Whatever he needs to do, he's going to do it. Uh, he can travel through any terrain. You know, we've seen him climb up cliff faces with no equipment. He can jump from one area to another. He's able to pull himself up mountain sign using only his grip strength. How many times have we seen him go through some type of environment that would kill the highest trained soldier and yet he's absolutely fine? You know why? Because he's got a super high pain tolerance. We know this, but still, as we said, Ethan is really skilled at overcoming pain and can withstand excruciating injuries and torture without breaking. Why is that? Because he has an indomitable will. I personally think, actually, Ethan's greatest skill is his incredible determination, that willpower, because whatever it is he has to do, he literally won't stop until he succeeds in, succeeds in that mission, whatever it is. And on top of that, he refuses to ever accept defeat, no matter what setbacks he endures. Look, people have been saying this before. The reason it's called Mission Impossible is because Ethan Hunt accomplishes the impossible. All of that is my point number one. Yeah, okay. Look, I'm a big fan of these movies, you know, and I'm not, I don't want to trash Ethan Hunt more than I have to here, but did you say that he was an IMF agent? He's an intoxicating mind fog agent. <laughs> Are you out of your mind right now? Brent Pope, get a gas mask because you're going to get hit with some severe IMF from James point after point after point, And I want you to be safe. You mentioned that Ethan Hunt uses stealth. Well, Ethan Winters uses a ton of stealth in the Resident Evil games. He's often having to like hide in darkness from monsters that are chasing him in very enclosed environments, work his way around them, and then get some shots off. In fact, in, in Resident Evil 8 and the Lady Dimitrescu uh, battle, 
Uh, there's times when she's flying around. He's got to shoot her from the ground. She has to land. And she is a super enhanced bioengineered monster. He has to sneak up on her in like a field. And that's going to be very, very hard to do. So I would argue his stealth is even better at the psychological stuff. How would Ethan Hunt possibly know what buttons to press with Ethan Winters without any kind of prep? And that's the biggest point here. Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible needs prep time. He has a plan and a team behind him every single time he goes on one of these missions. Whereas Ethan Winters gets put into a situation and has to improvise his way through, often with very limited knowledge, and he always gets the win, and ain't nobody helping him. He always gets the win. Okay, we'll figure that out later, Ray. Okay, because now we got to go to our judge. Brent Pope, executive VP of the Who Would Win show, where's your head at after hearing one point from both Ray and myself? Okay, this is very interesting because Ray kind of leaned on in, the, in this first point, you know, the fact that he, Ethan Winters is in a video game. I don't think you scored as many points as he thought you did by saying he could break open crates and like the fences because I, yes, he does do that with a knife, but I also feel like, you know, Ethan Winters could probably do that too if he had a knife um and the blocking i look maybe i'm playing the game wrong ray but i do feel like i still get damaged when i'm blocking most of the time so i mean you don't just die but it is helpful to block but yeah so i do take that into consideration though you know the one thing that you did mention that is is noteworthy is the kind of creatures he fights are these wild things that he could never even conceive of what they are, but he still has to confront them. And they're not human usually, or they're maybe they used to be human. Uh, James did a good job of talking about all the different types of martial arts that, that Ethan Hunt has got. Uh, and that's got a, I would think that would serve him well in this battle because he's trained for this, but I think Ethan Winters, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Ray was like some kind of engineer, right? That's right. Okay. Gotcha. When, so, when he started. Yes. When he started. Yeah. Um, and uh, the escape artist thing, uh, you know, and the countermeasures that it comes up with, those are all strong things. So I think we both have found some some strengths. And I don't like to say that it's kind of even after round one, but it's kind of even after round one. Interesting stuff. Okay, this is usually where we're at with a really well-debated who would win battle. All right, let's move this thing forward. Ray, hit us with your point number two. Point number two for Ethan Winters. Let's talk about some of the weapons that he uses and some of the skills that he has. because. This is a guy who uses a lot of different weapons. Given that it's a survival horror game, you got to kind of make do with what you got. And so he's been found to be using melee weapons such as knives, hatchets. He's used a circular saw. He had a really cool chainsaw duel with Jack Baker as they were both fighting, I think, in the garage. Chainsaw versus chainsaw. A lot of fun that whole section was. He also at one point got a lightsaber. Yes, that's right. If you did a certain thing in all of the mercenary side games, you could unlock a lightsaber for the main solo campaign. It's called the LZ Answerer, and it is exactly that. It is a lightsaber. I don't see Ethan Hunt going up against too many different lightsabers. I'm just saying. He also knows how to use, like, every form of gun known to man. I would argue he knows at least as many guns as Ethan Hunt does because he's used pistols, handguns, Auto pistols. Of course, he uses the Magnum 44 Magnum. He's used rapid fire Magnums. Don't exactly know how that works, but he's got one. He even used Albert Wesker's special gun. I think it was called the Albert 01 for a time in the games as well. But that's not all. He's also a big fan of shotguns. 
pump shotguns, double barrel shotguns, semi-automatic shotguns. He's used like five or six different types of shotguns in the games and assault rifles, a myriad of assault rifles, sniper rifles. He's also very, very good with. He's also used a lot of machine guns as well. When it comes to using firearms, anything that could be around, you might think at first Ethan Winters is not necessarily going to use them. But let me just tell you, yes, he is, and he'll use them with at least as much skill, maybe even more so as Ethan Hunt, and I'll explain to you why in a little bit. He's also used a self-made flamethrower. Now, he made it himself, but it still was very powerful at bringing down, you know, uh, extracurricular monsters. He called it the Burner, which I think is not a great name. I think if Ethan Winters has one weakness in this battle, it's his naming conventions. You got a flamethrower and you call it the Burner. I don't think that's so great, but he also uses explosions as well and Mission Impossible, lots of explosions in there, lots of running away from explosions, lots of creating explosions, even in the, even what did James say in the press releases and the, in the publicity, they used explosions in the publicity, apparently blowing up boxes of mail. He uses, Ethan does grenade launchers, pipe bombs, and more. And we talked about how Ethan uh, Winters is just an engineer, right? You made a really good point. Well, in between the three years of Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 8, he was taken in by the military, trained by a guy named Chris Redfield, voiced by uh, Roger uh, Craig Smith in Resident Evil 5. Uh, well done, Roger. And uh, he was trained for three years in all types of military training to try to explain why he's so good with all of these weapons and he can fight as well as he does, despite the fact that he starts Resident Evil 7 as purely a Los Angeles-based engineer. He's a dev, and I want to say respect to that. More power for devs. But he also can be very creative in some of the ways that he goes about it. You remember, Brent Pope, some of these different boss fights where the, he would be fighting just a dude, a guy, or a lady, and suddenly they'll just start mutating out of control into giant, like, amorphous blob monsters? These are the types of situations he finds himself like in a barn against an amorphous blob monster with a face of, I think, Jack Baker, and it just keeps like talking poop to him while he has to just figure out what it is and how he can beat it. Meanwhile, Ethan Hunt, he's only fighting other human beings. He knows how to kill other human beings. That's fine. That's excellent. But Ethan Winters has to, on the spot, figure out the makeup of a monster and then defeat them as well. And he is very creative as well. Not only does he have to be to escape some of the situations, one time he attacked a flower sacks. Okay, he attacked flower sacks. Well, that created a dust cloud in the air and allowed him to conceal his movements so he could sneak up behind people and not be you know, seen by them. And he could attack them from behind using that stealth I talked about a moment ago. So he is an inventive and creative fighter on the battlefield using whatever's around him at his disposal. That is a skill above skills to have in a who would win battle, I think. That's my point number two. All right, interesting stuff. Listen, I'm a former software engineer when I was, you know, back in my days in Canada when I first moved to the United States as well. So I have a soft spot for Ethan uh, Winters because software engineers, they're very often underestimated. I'm not going to lie, that's a thing. But just like Ethan Winters myself, we do have a little bit more bite to us than people realize. With all of that being said, look, a lightsaber ray, that's not his standard equipment. That's for a specific campaign. That's not something that's even advertised. That's not, that's a one-off kind of thing. Cool, but that's not something he's bringing to this battle. Now, in terms of using guns, uh, I like the fact that Ethan uh, Winters has 
has all that experience using different types of guns. He can pick them up. And he has a level of proficiency with different firearms. I'm going to tell you right now, a shotgun's great for, you know, up close. Machine guns, that's great for, you know, spreading fire over, you know, a large area. I get it. That's cool. But just because he might have shot a lot of similar guns to Ethan Hunt doesn't mean he has anywhere near the proficiency in firearm usage that Ethan Hunt has. More on that, my point number two, by the way. You know, yeah, Ray, you said he's got three years of training. And I think it was a good three years of training from what I can understand, you know, from the character and what have you and gameplay. But again, you're taking like three years of training versus of good training versus someone who's been training almost their whole life at an insanely high level. You really can't compare those two. Now, with that being said, let me get to my point number two, because in my point number two, we're going to talk about Ethan Hunt's training specifically and his background. Now, again, Ray, you mentioned, you know, Ethan Winters has three years of training. That's awesome. Uh, and you had to prepare to face, you know, bioweapons and monsters. And that is really cool. But it's a fraction of the training thing that Ethan Hunt has. Now, in terms of Ethan Hunt's training, remember, he's a U.S. Army Ranger. He went to U.S. Army Ranger School. Uh, he took numerous counterintelligence special agent courses. Of course, he's in IMF operational training courses as well. That intoxicating mind fog's got to come from somewhere. And he's had lots and lots and lots of very specific firearms training. Every type of firearm you can think of, he's had the training for it. And I mean high-level training. In terms of education, you got to remember, he has a double major in engineering and international relations. And in terms of military positions, he was a U.S. Army Ranger, U.S. Army counterintelligence special agent. Those are insanely hard positions to get. And in the IMF itself, Ethan Hunt was, uh, I think he had a variety of positions. He was a field agent, team leader, a mission commander, a commander. And as an IMF agent, he's learned how to handle like insanely uh, various high-level world-ending dangerous situations and how to overcome any obstacle. Now, on top of all this, Ethan Hunt has some specialized abilities. He's extremely observant. This is a trained thing, for real. He's got an almost photographic memory, and he's got this ability to make profound deductions, like really profound deductions with limited clues, and that's insanely impressive, right? That's why I'm saying he's going to be able to figure out Ethan Winters really, really quickly. Now, in one example, escaping from terrorists, Hunt notices a small detail. One of the terrorists is wearing a specific type of show, shoe. This shoe is known to be worn by special forces operatives. Hunt realizes that this terrorist must be an undercover operative working for the U.S. government. So in this fight scenario, how long do you think it's going to take for Ethan to see what's going on with Ethan Winters? Uh, on top of that, he's also a master of using the environment around him to his advantage. In another example, after infiltrating the KGB headquarters, Ethan Hunt is chased by a group of Russian guards. He leads them into a construction zone and is able to outsmart them by using the environment to his advantage. It takes them all out. Really, really impressive. This is going to be a situation where he can use the environment to his advantage as well. Ethan Hunt is also a master of deception disguise. He knows how to blend in any environment and he knows how to deceive his opponents into thinking he's something or someone else or to not even be able to see him at all. Another example, he's escaping some would-be world conquerors while in the Vatican, Vatican of all places and Ethan takes a moment, disguises himself as a Vatican guard and then once outside drops the costume perfectly blends in with the crowd virtually disappearing from his pursuers they have no idea where he is he's that good he's also a weapons master this is a huge difference now ethan hunt is highly skilled with a huge variety of weapons including handguns but also every type of rifle you can think of and knives he's insanely great with knives he's also very skilled at using whatever is available to him as a weapon and using his environment to his advantage in combat as well he's also an expert marksman he's super skilled in use of again any type of firearm in any type of situation this is a guy who can easily quick draw and kill multiple targets within seconds. That's how fast he 
shoots. Now let's talk about some of his standard weaponry. Uh, in terms of firearms, his firearm of choice is the HK USB Compact, and he carries two magazines of ammo for it. So in terms of pure ammo, he has a lot more than Ethan Winters, because Ethan Winters carries a handgun and a knife and a flashlight as standard equipment. That's it. These are just some fun facts for you. Now Ethan Hunt also carries on him a number of explosive charges, which he uses to sabotage enemy equipment, create cave-ins, or clear obstacles. This is what he does. He also has 10, they're called APC Omni Gadgets, which are his multi-purpose tools they can use for a variety of tasks, such as picking locks and climbing walls. I think this is where he could use it for some in-close evasion or kind of tying him up or what have you. He's really good at that. Look, there's a lot to Ethan Hunt, and we still haven't even gotten to the good parts yet. All of that is my point number two. Yeah, you know, Ethan Hunt does a lot of really good things, and I thought you've made some very uh, interesting calls right there. And what you're choosing to talk about and not talk about, I think, is important here. Uh, what I will say as far as my rebuttal goes is disguises. You brought up the disguises. One of the coolest thing about Mission Impossible movies is when they disguise as totally different human beings. Uh, but that requires prep time. That requires prior knowledge. And this is a who would win battle. Ethan Hunt does not just walk around with an Ethan Winters disguise or a Mia disguise or, or a Jack uh, Baker disguise at, at any given time because that's just not what's going to be called for if these two met in a random encounter. I would also argue that Ethan Hunt and Ethan Winters, both phenomenally good with their weapons, I would argue that Ethan Hunt uh, uses his uh, shots a little bit more recklessly. I think he's going to be one of those spray and pray kind of guys, which is not going to work against Ethan Winters. Ethan Winters has to measure his shots aim them, and hit with deadly accuracy. Why? Because in survival horror games, you don't get a lot of ammo. So anybody playing as Ethan Winters will tell you, you can't just shoot recklessly at everything that comes by. You got to make sure you're landing kill shots when you bring them down. And this brings me to the ultimate point here. Ethan Hunt is a reckless character. He will put his body in danger uh, and just not worry about the consequences of his actions. He will take bad chances sometimes. And I mentioned before, he relies extremely heavily on his team. He's not going to have Simon Pegg in his earpiece with a, with a UAV above telling him all the different people who are around him. He's not going to be able to get fed that kind of information because this is a 1v1. Teams are not involved. Interesting stuff. Okay, I'm liking how this battle is playing out because we are now at the turning point where after hearing two points from Ray and myself, Brent's going to tell us who's ahead and what the other side has to do to win. But before he gets to what Brent has to say, let's celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? This week, our patron of the week is the one, the only, Sarvis. Ooh, okay, this is crazy. So Zarvis is very powerful. We got to give him a worthy opponent. You know what? Screw it. Let's do this. Zarvis, you're facing off against Voldemort. Voldemort, wow, from the Harry Potter franchise. Well, Voldemort, of course, is very, very overconfident. He's going to see Sarvis there and say, he is but a muggle. Dance for me, muggle boy. And then, of course, all of the different wizards gathered, his whole entourage will start busting out into inappropriate laughter while he sort of takes his wand and then casually flips one spell at another at the feet of Sarvis, causing him to just kind of jump in the air like, you know, one of those old Western cowboy movies. And then he's going to have a good laugh. And then he's going to be like, all right, I'm done with you. But what he doesn't realize is that Sarvis is a friend of the OCP. He's a friend of the Detroit Police Department in the movie RoboCop, and he has a whole bunch of those giant robots stationed behind the wizards. They come out of hiding, use their machine guns, 
and blow away all the evil wizards, including Voldemort, because physical attacks will hurt them, especially if they don't see it coming. All, all Sarvis has to do at that point is press the button and hide behind a rock. Sorry, Voldemort. You got gunned down by the OCP in a, in a, in a surprise turn of events. Wow. You know what? Uh, lesson learned. Don't bring a wand to a gunfight. That's right. I mean, that's that's something important. That's a great life lesson and a great victory for Sarvis. Congratulations. Remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash who would win show and sign up and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of who would win. Now back to the turning point. Brent, you've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? Okay, another great. You guys are killing it today. I have to say, much better than some of the lackluster. I'm kidding. You, I think you guys always. Kill <laughs> Thank you. Uh, okay, so uh, Ray, uh, second point, uh, spent a lot of time talking about uh, his weapons and skills. The LZ answer. That's also a terrible name for a lightsaber, isn't it? Um, <laughs> not great. It's not great. Not sure if he would have that. So. Uh, he is, you know, he's obviously works with all types of weapons, can make his own weapons. Good that he was trained by Chris Redfield because, you know, otherwise there's just a huge training disadvantage, right? And experience if if he doesn't have that training, I think. And then James did a good job talking about how he, you know, the IMF, he was a field agent and team leaders in all the different jobs, uh, very observant, uh, very good at deductions. I'm not sure if the disguises are going to help that much in this because they're he's not going to know ahead of time and they're going to see each other and then there's no, he can't put on a disguise while they see each other. There would be no reason to, right? But, you know, who knows? Who knows what could happen? Ray did make a good point that he does put his body in danger a lot, takes a lot of chances. But then James made a good point, which is that usually in the Resident Evil games, you start with a pistol and and a a knife. So, you know, both of those things. uh, Oh, and also, Ray, great point that, that he uses a team a lot. He gets a lot of info from his team. Ethan Hunt does. So, James, you're going to have to show me how Ethan can do this without that and without using disguises. And Ray, you're going to have to kind of overcome like how, you know, what does he start with? Does he not? Does he start with more than that? Prove it to me. And man, it's 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 really, really close. I think still it's still pretty even. And as always, you know, I love to hear a good story. And maybe the one that shocks me the most will win this battle. Interesting, interesting, interesting. All right, Executive VP of the Who Win Show, Brent Pope, dropping some knowledge and some insane observations of his own. Let's see how this is going to play out. Ray, hit us with your point number three. Point number three, I haven't even brought up the superpowers of Ethan Winters because one of these characters is superhumanly uh, advanced and the other one is a regular guy who works out a lot and has some uh, uh, combat training. Because Ethan Winters has mold regenerative powers, some super strength, as well as some durability. A few things that Ethan Winters has had happen to him. He has been grabbed and thrown through a wall. I don't know that Ethan Hunt's necessarily been hit with the kind of powerful shots from powerful characters that Ethan Winters has had to endure. And endure is the word I would use from Resident Evil 7s and 8. Ethan Winters has been stabbed roughly 9 billion times. And that's a conservative estimate from anyone who has played either game, much less the two taken together. He is constantly being stabbed, cut, uh, hit with things from all of these super powerful bioterror characters. He also got hit by a car. I should mention that as well. He got hit by a car and recovered from that. Oh, is that a thing Ethan Hunt likes to do? Well, Ethan Winters has shown that he can tank a car and get up and keep fighting and win the fight. 
He's been point blank at several explosions. And I mentioned before, he likes to create explosions. I'll be double back into that a little bit later. He gets into explosions because he knows he can survive explosions. The mutant character, Eveline, uh, impaled his leg with like one of these like sick tendrils. I uh, went right through his leg, picked him up into the air, dropped him from an impressive height. He was able to get up and just keep on fighting. Why? Because he has the power inside him. He's got a super regenerative ability that Ethan Hunt will be unable to match. One of these lichen werewolves bit off a piece of his hand. He got slammed by Lady Demestriu uh, face first through a door. It's one thing to get thrown through a door. Those of us who have been out for many late nights, made mistakes along the way, have been thrown through doors before. We know what it's like. It's another thing entirely to have like a nine-foot vampire lady smash you through a door by your face. No problem at all. Kept on going. How did this do? How did he do this? How do these things keep happening? Well, it is revealed in Resident Evil 8 that Ethan Winters actually died in his first encounter in Resident Evil 7 when he was caught completely unawares by a super powerful, I believe, uh, Jack Baker. However, the mold got into his system. The mold, he's got super mold abilities. It like it, It's attuned to his body in a way that other characters don't have that same ability. It's almost like a mutant power, like Wolverine. So now that he's been revived by the mold, he didn't actually die per se because the mold brought him back to life with super regeneration. In Resident Evil 7, he had a hand cut off. He had a foot cut off. And he just literally grabbed them, uh, reattached it to his body, poured a little bit of that first aid med on it, and kept going as if it had never been cut off at all. I know if you get your hand cut off and they reattach it, you lose feeling. You can't be as dexterous anymore. Not if you're Ethan Winters. You're just going to regenerate from that within about a minute. In Resident Evil 8, he had a hand, of course, cut off. He had an entire leg cut off. He had his heart removed from his body and was able to recover from each and every one of those injuries. He has access to this first aid med that reconstructs his body on a cellular level, like a Deadpool or a Lobo or, again, a Wolverine. If one character regenerates and the other one can't, the guy who regenerates is going to have all the ability to win the fight. And at the end of Resident Evil 8, spoiler alert if you need it, he detonated a massive explosion to destroy the entire village and all of the evil within, so therefore his family could escape by helicopter. He saved everybody, and it's assumed that he died at the end of this confrontation. But, and I believe a DLC that came later with his daughter in it, who was saved in this explosion, it's revealed that he's there. He's there hanging out with her. He survived it, went underground, and now he can kind of roll around doing whatever he wants. So at the end of the day, this is a fight. This is a fight, okay? And one person's body is very tough. It's very, you know, he's got a lot of endurance, a lot of willpower, sure. But it's just a human body. The other body is that of somebody who has regenerative and durability powers uh, through the use of this mold. And it's just built stronger. What can Ethan Hunt do that's actually going to put down Ethan Winters given how many horrific things has happened to Ethan Winters and he's never been put down. I've seen Ethan Hunt lose fights and go down for two minutes. At the end of the day, you got to go with the superpowered character here. And that's my point. Number three.
All right, you know, the, the, the really cool part about this is that the Ethan Winters story is, is you know, almost Shakespeare. It, it is Shakespearean in its nature. It's really it it's a noble person. Yeah. It's a great story to play. But I got to push back on a couple of things. Now, first of all, Ethan Hunt has tanked explosions, not willingly, but he had to. And he's been stabbed and shot, dropped and what have you. And, you know, he's a guy who can get up and start running. I don't know if you remember, I mentioned he has his own style of martial art running that he does in this movie. It's uh, it's beautiful to watch. Uh, you know, here's the thing, too. When Ethan Winters gets hit with something pretty bad. He needs that first aid substance. I don't know if that's something he always has on him. That's a question I've got. And on top of that, it takes him more than two minutes to regenerate, depending on what the severity is of the injury, I guess, or or whatever happens to him. And on top of all of that, you know, I remembered about this great, you know, comic book from the Punisher Max series where Punisher's fighting Wolverine, a kind of a similar kind of situation. Punisher, no powers versus Wolverine. And what's he do with Wolverine? He shoots him in the no-no danger zone after shooting off his face. And as that's happening, he's trying to recover. He drives over him with like a steamroller or something and just traps him there and just walks away because he's been incapacitated. Incapacitated. I see something similar happening in this battle and that's how I think Ethan Hunt's going to get the win. But with all that being said, let me get to my point number three where I'm going to talk my point number three about big wins, Ethan Winter's big weaknesses and how this fight's going to go down. So a fun fact, Ethan Hunt has won by some mission, battlefield removal, death, and every other way you can imagine in a who would win battle. Take all the ways you can win and who would win and you need that two minutes to kind of make sure the opponent's done so you're, you can stay there safely. And Ethan Hunt has specialized in doing that all the time. Let's talk about some specific big wins for Ethan Hunt without his team and without disguises, mind you. In Mission Impossible 2, he destroyed a world-ending bioweapons threat called the Chimera Virus. Wonder what kind of Resident Evil type of world we would have had if he didn't stop that from happening. Just a fun fact. In Mission Impossible 3, Ethan Hunt saved the world from a villain who wants a dangerous computer program to control nuclear weapons. He did that by himself because the plan fell apart at the end and he's on his own. In Mission Impossible 4, Ethan Hunt has to stop a nuclear war. That's fun, and he did it. In Mission Impossible 6, Ethan has to stop a super powerful terrorist organization who wants to detonate nuclear bombs in three major cities around the world. He had a team throughout a lot of that mission, but then all of a sudden at the end, again, it's on him to stop that person one-on-one. That's always how it comes down to in these battles. And finally, in Mission Impossible 7, Ethan Hunt goes on a, on a, I don't know what you want to call it. He becomes a little fast and the furious, kind of incorporates some Dominic Toretto somehow, has some slow level superhuman physicals, Dom Toretto style, and has to thwart the world's most powerful AI who wants to take over everything. You know, that thing that the WGA and SAG are striking against? And Ethan outthinks and outmaneuvers and overcomes the AI. Now, the next one that's coming out, he's going to destroy it completely, but that's what he does. In Mission Impossible 7, speaking of superpowers, no joke, all of a sudden, Ethan Hunt has crazy physicals, and he's pulling off crazy stuff that shouldn't work, yet it does. Ethan Hunt is so impossible to stop that a character named Alan Hunley, former director of the CIA, CIA has described him as the ultimate personification of destiny because once he's committed to saving the world or accomplishing a task, literally nothing can stop him and this fight will be no different. And we see exactly how nothing can stop him with his insane physical feats, such as when he jumped off a super high bridge. This is from the last movie, the Fast and Furious style thing. He's riding a motorcycle, jumps off a super high bridge, deploys a parachute at a super low height, launches himself through a train car window. Got to think about it. He's up in the air, maneuvers it, and goes, launches himself through a train car window, the specific one that his friend was being held at gunpoint by a specific villain, takes out the villain completely, you know, kind of drop kicks him at super speed with the parachute. How he maneuvered to that specific train, I have no idea. And then he gets up and he's absolutely fine. That would have obliterated anyone's bones and inside places. But because it's Ethan Hunt, he gets up, he's absolutely fine. Crazy. On top of that, 
that. We've seen him hanging onto the side of a moving helicopter, while another time he's held onto the side of a moving plane that's lying in the air. He jumps off a cargo plane onto a moving train. He's fine. He outran an explosion. That's crazy. We see him free climbing a cliff face. He's fighting multiple opponents in hand-to-hand combat while injured so many times and he still wins and beats them all. He's, he's held his breath over four minutes. I mentioned that before. Falling from a helicopter into a body of water, that should kill him. Should you know hit the water like cement? It doesn't. Look, there's so many things he's done. Ethan Hunt has all the physical tools to take on Ethan Winter if if he uses the same formula he always does in the films and takes advantage of Ethan's weaknesses. And Ethan Winters has a few. First of all, Ethan Winters takes punishment, a lot of it. He gets bloody, disemboweled, literally torn apart, many, torn apart many times. The art of not getting physically destroyed or freaking avoiding an injury, which Ethan Hunt has mastered, is not in Ethan Winters' repertoire. It just isn't. He's got nowhere near the training or experience of Ethan Hunt. He's definitely nowhere near a Leon Kennedy, for example. This makes him much more vulnerable in combat situations to taking punishment and being positioned where he's going to kind of incapacitate him cave him in, whatever he's going to do, drive something over him, whatever it is, he's going to do it. His fighting style isn't great. I'm sorry. Ethan Winters is not a great fighter. He can brawl. He can't fight. That's a big thing. Again, he's emotionally vulnerable. This is something where Ethan Hunt, there's going to be some talking happening. Ethan Hunt's trying to figure this guy out. If Ethan Winters says anything about kids, blah, 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 Ethan Hunt can use that to his advantage. And finally, Ethan Winters is not particularly athletic or agile. He's not. He's got super strength. He's got that durability or regeneration, I should say. But he's not a particularly athletic person. Uh, Ethan Hunt can literally outmaneuver him without taking a lot of damage in this fight because he'll figure him out really quick. There's one more thing. It turns out Ethan's powers of healing and regeneration, like I mentioned in my rebuttal, they're not instantaneous like Deadpool's Wolverine's in every facet. It takes him much longer to regenerate from having his body completely crushed, uh, longer to regenerate a large extremity or to reattach his head to his body. So Ethan Hunt may not kill Ethan Winters, but he can take him out with explosive cave-ins or some other form of severe physical act, which he's done many, many, t- many times before. And Ethan Winters is going to take way longer than two minutes to dig his way out, to get out of the explosion, whatever happens to him. Remember in the last scene where he dies heroically, he's already messed up. It's taking a while to regenerate because he's not. It's part of his hands falling out and then he hits that explosion and we don't see him until when? Weeks later? Months later? We don't know. It's definitely longer than two minutes. So why is this important? Because the one thing that Ethan Hunt is good at is this compound attack. This means, it's a term used by reality-based self-defense experts. That means hit someone with everything big until they stop being a threat. Whether it's using explosives or loading them into a building, driving a motorcycle into them, then launches them off a bridge or some other crazy way. Ethan Hunt has too much experience, too much training and expertise, and too much commitment to getting the job done for Ethan Winters to win this fight. Remember, it's Mission Impossible. Is this the next Mission Impossible movie? Could be, because anything that's impossible, Ethan Hunt accomplishes it. And that's my point number three. If they wanted to do a Mission Impossible Resident Evil crossover movie, I'm here for it. I think that could this be just a, writes a lot itself. of fun. And James, you brought up one of my favorite comic books of all time. I mentioned all the time, Punisher versus Wolverine down in the sewer where he shoots Wolverine and runs him over with a steamroller. What, of course, you failed to mention, weird that you did, is that Punisher had set up that entire encounter with prep time ahead of time, luring Wolverine down there for those traps that he already had set. That steamroller wasn't just in the sewer. Punisher put it in the sewer because he knew exactly what he was going to do. But you didn't mention it. Just like Punisher and Wolverine, if the prep time wasn't there, Punisher would have lost that fight. And that's the entire point of this battle. You say that Ethan Hunt's won a lot of battles. Yeah, I remember him losing a hand-to-hand confrontation against Jim Phelps, I believe, in the first movie, uh, played by older actor John Voight, the Midnight Cowboy beat 
Ethan Hunt in a battle and took him down for two minutes and that's it. You lose to John Voight in your own movie. I don't think that you can beat Ethan Winters, uh, the monster killer. And as the Mission Impossible movies push forward, uh, Ethan Hunt stopped using as many disguises and trickery and started relying on brute force. More, as every movie kind of went on, he's more about that whole hit him hard, hit him fast, hit him with a lot of stuff. But that attack strategy will not work against Ethan Winters, who can just regenerate from whatever the heck he's being brought. And determination. Okay, I agree Ethan Hunt has determination, but you're going to tell sit here and tell me Ethan Winters doesn't have determination? He's being put in the most impossible missions <clears throat> that you possibly could, and he fights his way through it despite the fact that there's really, you know, no way to get out of this, no way to pull through, and he always fights the horrors of the night and does it. Let me tell you, Ethan Hunt loves to run, and run away from this battle is what he should absolutely do. What will actually happen is Ethan Hunt and Ethan Winters will square off, and they're both going to start shooting at each other. They're both going to start going after each other. Ethan Winters is probably going to try to be a little bit more stealthy, and I would say that maybe every three shots that Ethan Hunt hits, Ethan Winters hits one. But the difference is those three shots that get hit on Ethan Winters, he's going to fix. He's going to regenerate from. He's got the healings, uh, healing salves and whatnot. But that one shot that Ethan Winters hits Ethan Hunt with is probably going to be a headshot. And it's going to take him down because he's just a human being where Ethan Winters is a superpowered megalith. Good use of the term megalith, by the way. We haven't used that a lot in the show. It's a good one. Yeah, good we one. should use that. All right. Listen, let's go to the judge for this. Brent. Executive VP of the Hood Win Show, you've heard three points from both Ray and myself, and it's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process, tell us a story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Ethan Hunt and Ethan Winters. Okay. Well, first of all, well, well thought by both of you. I learned a lot of new things about both characters. I think we know they're both great with weapons. They're both great with stealth. They're both great at using their environment. So... What what you know? What's what's going to be the deciding factor? I think Ray was very smart to <laughs> obviously he had to mention that he now has the mold regeneration. Uh, that's kind of a game changer. I would say for James, he you know you did a good job talking about all the different plots that he's thwarted and all the different types of uh, schemes that he's taken down and all these different all these different experiences. So who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna get the upper hand here? That's the question. Now, one thing I did think I thought was first good for Ray and then I thought was not good for Ray was Ray said, I mean, well, it works both ways, right? Ethan Winters is great. He's very, he has to be very good at his shots because as you said, Ray, in a survival horror game, you don't get much ammo. And that also means you don't get many med packs. So the way I see it going down is, like you said, they're going to be shooting with weapons. I think they're both good at, avoiding this stuff too and eventually we get to hand-to-hand combat as we've talked about ethan winters doesn't have as much training and ethan hunt has a lot of the training so i do see see it going down where ethan hunt has a way of kind of incapacitating him with different martial arts holds i don't think that ethan hunt can kill ethan winters i don't think he can so i think this is the way he can win is that he will incapacitate him for two minutes and even though Ethan Winters is, has the mold regeneration, he still has to be able to get to his healing things to do that. If he holds him in place for two minutes, he's incapacitated. He can't get to those things. So with that in mind, I think 
as much as I love Resident Evil and I'm so mad at myself kind of for uh, going this way again against the Resident Evil, I got to give the win to Mission Impossible's Ethan Hunt. And there you have it. This is unprecedented. This is unbelievable. Not only did I get the win today, I got freaking four wins in a row. Finally, first time ever, not the last, mind you, in the history of who would win. Race to Canis. You put up a great battle. But for some reason, in my gut, especially after the most recent Mission Impossible movie where he did go a little fast in the Furious, not going to lie, I did think Ethan Hunt could do something exactly what Brent Pope was putting out there. Well done, Racing Canis. But man, am I ever going to celebrate tonight? Everyone's invited. Right, you're invited as well. In the meantime, tell the Legion of Audience how you feel right now. You just referred to what happened as absolutely unbelievable. And I agree with you because I don't bleeping believe that it actually happened. Brent Pope allegedly loves Resident Evil games, but given the chance for victory for characters he clearly knows are more powerful, are stronger, are better fighters, are more durable, every single time, apparently, he's going to go in the other direction as long as it gets James the win. Do I regret calling out Brent Pope and sharing a personal conversation on the air that we had in a previous episode recently? Yes, I do. Do I think that that's why Brent Pope demanded to judge an episode immediately? To punish me for betraying his confidence in that moment? Yes, I do. I think both of us and everybody who listens knows that the super-powered character of Ethan Winters, obviously, based on the arguments we just provided, for those who choose to actually, you know, listen to the show and make intelligent decisions based on what they hear, boy, it'd be nice if we got a judge who could do that. Someday, I guess, I'll just keep crossing my fingers and wishing upon magical shooting stars. So you're saying you're okay with the decision? You're good with this? Where are we going with this, Ray? As bad a decision as I think this is, I still think Shrek versus Nemesis was worse. So I guess you got that going for you, Brent Pope. You've improved slightly in my eyes. You know, I didn't even bring up the uh, deleted scenes in Mission Impossible 3 where Ethan Hunt grabbed the villain, threw him into space. I think it was for a McDonald's toy commercial. I'm not really sure. But with that being said, Brent Pope, executive VP of the Who Would Win show. Great job. Yet again, you came out. You delivered a solid performance. I'm not just saying that because my job review is coming up next week. I'm also saying that because it's the truth. Yet again, you did what the people wanted, and that is judge this the right way. So in the meantime, please come back to the show and tell the Legion of Audience, in the meantime, I should say right now, where they can find you online. Well, you can find me um, on Instagram at, at scoopspope. Same thing on X, although I'm rarely, why did I call it X? That's so dumb. It's Twitter, but I'm still on there occasionally, but mostly just, you know, reading stuff. That's weird. And you can go to my uh, website, brentpope.com. I can't promote any of the stuff I'm on. Although, you know, I can't promote that I'm on uh, With Love on Amazon Prime. I wish I could, but I can't. Uh, I can't. Season two, everyone should watch that if I could promote it. Let's get this strike over, guys. Start making new stuff. And uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Very cool. Ray Sicanus, yet again, you debated very, very well. This was super close, but man, was I ever on a mission. I needed that fourth win in a row, something you've enjoyed before, and now I can finally have that same satisfaction. Tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, where they can find you online. You in this battle, James Gavsey, have a lot in common with, with Ethan Hunt. Why? Because victory should have been impossible based on the evidence that I provided and the, the, the arguments that I gave. 
I still am sitting here baffled once again. This season was going so extremely well. We finally got judges who showed up and listened to what I have to say. We finally got an array of judges who took into consideration facts and evidence. And what happened? I sat here in September up four episodes to you. Four episodes in September should be an insurmountable Atlanta Falcons 28-3 to Super Bowl victory. But of course, we all know what happened there. I don't know what's going on right now. I feel like of the last four decisions that you have won in a row to somehow win four in a row for the first time, I'm feeling like something a little sketchy is going on. I don't want to throw all our judges under the bus, so I'll just pick Brent Pope. I don't know what's happening in your head lately with some of these decisions, how you could possibly constantly reach out to me nearly every single time James wins and say, how did that happen? He obviously lost that battle. And yet here you sit once again, giving James a victory. I don't know what's obviously in this world. There are the known knowns. There are the known unknowns. And this is a case of an unknown unknown. I don't know what's happening in the brain synapses of judges. And I don't know how they come to the situations and decisions that they do. Because it's clearly not based on the evidence being provided. So it must be based on something else. Find me on threads at Almighty Ray 316 before I lose my mind. Brent Pope, for my you know employee review next week, I just want to note that uh, I have been consistently bringing in really good snacks to all of our meetings. Yeah. And Ray has been bringing his uh, appetite and eating all of the really good snacks I bring. Just wanted to bring that <sighs> to light. Didn't want to slam Ray, but, you know, I make stuff at home. It's homemade. I know it's your favorite. I'm like, here you go, Executive VP Brent Pope. And I turn around, and it's an empty platter of, like, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavs. You remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Stacanus, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. 
Hi, I'm Kevin Goatee. Hey, I'm Kevin Israel. We host Gutting the Sacred Cow, the best and most unique movie debate podcast out there. Why? Because we invite our guests to pick a film that they find overrated or hate and try to convince us to see their argument. They must pick a film that is a financial success, widely beloved, or critically acclaimed. That's right. Some of the films our guests have tried to eviscerate, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Pulp Fiction, Ghostbusters? You can find us on all podcast platforms like Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. And if you want to watch our smiling faces, we're also on YouTube. Guttingthesacredcow.com is where you find all of our information. And we look forward to our guests infuriating you when they attack your favorite films.